This episode is brought to you by the website of the podcast over at phototacopodcast.com. I just finished publishing a 6,000-word photographer's buying guide for the new 2018 MacBook Pro, where I tell you what is worth spending money on and where photographers can save some cash when they're buying a new MacBook Pro. I also just released some of my recommended gear posts out on the site. So if you're a beginner or hobbyist photographer where budget is critical and you want high quality gear for the most reasonable price possible, check out the recommended gear section over at phototacopodcast.com. Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco, or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome in to another episode of Photo Taco on the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In today's episode, I am joined by one of the favorite guests of the show, Victoria Bampton. She's known as the Lightroom Queen. Welcome back to the show, Victoria. We're so glad to have you. Oh, thank you for having me back. All right. In this episode, uh, we're going to talk about Lightroom CC, um, version 1.5 that Adobe released in August of 2018. And Victoria, let's walk through kind of the bigger features that are part of this updated release. And then I want to talk last about a new resource that you have for listeners who would like to learn more about Lightroom CC. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right. Let's, let's get right into it. So we, uh, we have to start off by making it clear <laughs> what version of Lightroom we're talking about. I, I know many, many of the listeners remain a little confused about the difference between Lightroom CC and Lightroom Classic CC. I really wish Adobe would have made the naming more different. <laughs> but so, Victoria, I've already tried to do this. I've already tried to, to differentiate the two products and it hasn't gone so well. So I'd like to have you take a shot at it. How would you make the distinction between those two products? Yes, it certainly caused lots of confusion. I would simply say Lightroom Classic is the latest release of the traditional desktop folder-based version that we've used for years. Lightroom CC is a whole ecosystem of apps for Windows, Mac, iOS, Android, Apple TV, and web that primarily stores your photos in the cloud so they can be accessed from any device. The apps are still installed on your computer or mobile device, and the photos can be cached locally, but the cloud is in charge of keeping track of everything, so you don't have to worry about file management. Yeah, that's kind of, today, that's that's the thing that I think is the biggest difference, and, and a real potential positive, but for now a massive negative for me, is that cloud syncing. That, that's a big deal. Uh, so often, listeners get really confused about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, that feature because there's some updates. Well, kind of. Anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. Hopefully that helps everyone kind of understand the difference between the two. Usually when on the podcast, when we said Lightroom in the past, it has meant the classic version. And, and even today, as I do episodes about Lightroom, I'm in classic way more. I am today still a user of Lightroom Classic CC, not as much with Lightroom CC, although on mobile, I'm using it a ton. So um, it, it there's a distinction there. When I, Usually when I say Lightroom, it means the classic version. Today, it's going to mean Lightroom CC, the one that's the newer version that has very different look and feel, synchronizes with the cloud. It's, it's a 
it's a different thing. So, all right, <laughs> there we go. Hopefully that makes sense to the listeners. Now let's dive into the new features. So version 1.5 for the desktop just got released and there's kind of three primary features that were outlined on the blog. We have support for new cameras and lenses. We have keep an album's photos locally for offline editing. And we have showing album membership in the info panel are the three primary features that came out in, in this more minor update from, from Adobe. So let's start with local albums. So Victoria on the blog, they, they refer to it this way. And it got me really excited at first because I thought it was a different thing. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. All right. So it said on the blog, the new store album locally settings allows you to save original copies of that album's photos locally and is especially helpful when traveling in areas with limited or low bandwidth internet connections. Now, okay, so I was hoping what that meant was the ability to uh, add photos to an album in Lightroom without having to being required to sync them to the cloud. And I understand why Adobe is moved to why it's it's part of Lightroom CC and the whole ecosystem that's there. Because so many listeners ask me questions about how to get their photos to their mobile devices from their computer or from one computer to another computer with Lightroom Classic. It's a, it's a challenge and they're left on their own sort of to figure out how to make that happen for the most part. And uh, now with, with the all new Lightroom CC, that's just solved for you. As long as you put in wherever you put in your Adobe ID and, and you're going to use any of the tools from Lightroom CC, it's just synchronized. So I, I really understand why they went there. I do think it's going to be the future. It just is a real challenge today. I have like two primary problems with it personally. Um, and I've heard from many listeners, they've had the same challenge. The first is internet caps. And in, here in the U.S., it's pretty prevalent. There's internet caps monthly. Our service providers only give us a certain amount of data. I personally only get one terabyte of data a month of internet traffic, and that's in and out combined. And um, without attempting to sync any of my photos right now, I am regularly using at least 75% of that each month. Each month. So it's just not going to work for me to synchronize all the photos that I'm taking out to the cloud all the time. And that's, that's a big challenge for me. And the second one is the size of my catalog and plus the original files. Uh, I have seven years worth of photos now and it amounts to almost four terabytes of space. So as a hobbyist photographer, I just can't afford paying for that kind of cloud storage in the creative cloud. I, it locally is is fine. There's, it's inexpensive there, but out in the cloud is, is a real issue. So I'm, I'm sure neither of these challenges are really new to you, Victoria. You probably have heard this from a lot of photographers. Uh, it's, and is, is this feature that we just mentioned, the storing albums locally, is it going to help with this at all in, in those kinds of concerns? The short answer is no, not yet, I'm afraid. Uh, this feature lets you cache originals locally so you can use them if they're offline. So we've had this feature for a while on mobile and it's really useful if you know you're going to want to work on some photos when you're out and about and you're not going to have internet access. So this just brings the same feature to traveling laptop users. So the feature you're looking for is likely to be called something like Selective Sync and it's not there yet, but it is a popular request. And there's a request, a feature request um, at feedback.photoshop.com. If you search for Lightroom CC Selective Sync, you can find that feature request and everyone add their vote. And the, the votes do actually count. So hopefully we'll get that feature before too long. 
in the meantime, I, I get around it by pausing sync when I import a new shoot, culling them and then saving the one star photos as original format to a folder on my external storage and then removing them from Lightroom CC. Okay. Because I don't need those photos in the cloud. Chances are I'm never going to want to see them again. I just can't quite bring myself to delete them completely. <laughs> but, they, but they don't need to be up there. So there's no point syncing them up to the cloud. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've solved the problem too. The, now I'm, I'm still primarily using classic. It's just, it's what I'm used to. It's where I'm productive. I love the feel. I love where Lightroom CC is going and I want to use it. The speed, there's performance benefits. There's, there's really compelling stuff happening in that application and that ecosystem that I, I'm sure I am going to switch to at some point, but, but I do the bulk of my editing in classic, but the few I do in CC, in Lightroom CC, um, it just, I, I'm doing the same thing. I just actually, I've just disabled sync. I just turned it off and I don't ever turn it back on and, and then I'm fine. Then I can add photos and, and, uh, can do it. And, uh, e even when I turn it back on, if I have, and, and I do it with the new release just to see how things are going. It just completely saturates my internet connection when I do. It just it's it's wiped out. So the kids will start like, "What's going on? Why can't I watch Netflix?" And, and so I have to turn it back off. But um, yeah, it's it's a challenge. So feedback.photoshop.com, and I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can go vote for that as a new feature for Lightroom CC. I think that would help a lot of professionals give Lightroom CC a more of a chance if they could they could do that. What? Uh, how many votes does it take? I see out there it's, it's about 40 right now. What does it take to get Adobe to kind of notice it? It's generally, uh, they'll tend to look at which ones are the most popular. So the actual number of 40 doesn't mean too much. It's in terms of percentage compared to the other votes, uh, the other feature requests that are out there to, to really get a feel for which ones everyone really, really wants. Okay. All right. So listeners, if you really want Lightroom CC to get that selective sync feature, go vote. Go go click on the link from the show notes or go find it by searching for selective sync at feedback.photoshop.com. And uh, let's, let's make Adobe put that in there. That'd be good. <laughs> All right. Next feature, album membership info. Is that the right? Yeah, that's the next feature. Okay. <laughs> the blog says this about the feature. You can now see which albums your photo is part of, making it easy to explore your photos. Click on the info panel and scroll to the new albums panel. So what uh, what does this bring in for us, Victoria? So albums are just CC's names for collections. They're exactly the same thing. They work in exactly the same way as collections in Classic. So they're just a way of grouping photos together without physically moving them. So you might have a collection or an album of all of the photos of your children or of your vacation or of the latest shoot. So this new feature, the marketing guys got hold of it. It's not actually as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> um, it's, it's basically the equivalent of clicking on the collections thumbnail badge in Classic, and it just shows you which albums or collections contain the selected photo. Right. Okay. <laughs> so it's for the specific photo. You can see which albums it's in. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else of note? We didn't talk about lenses and, and camera updates because, you know, there's a list. If you're interested, you can go click on the, the link in the show notes to the blog post and, and go see if somehow your camera lens got supported now. But uh, I didn't want to go through those here. Is there anything else that they didn't put on the blog that we should know about Lightroom CC 1.5? It's a pretty quiet one this time, which is usually a good thing because it usually means they're working on something bigger for the next release because the releases are only two months apart. They don't have a lot of time to get things done. Um, but there's an improved search feature 
So you can type in something like extension, then a colon, and then it pops up with a list of all of the different file extensions in your catalog. So you can search for just the JPEG files or just the CR2 files. It's pretty well hidden at the moment, and it wasn't mentioned in their blog post, which suggests it's probably part of a bigger feature yet to come. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Okay. The other big news for the desktop is HEIC format support on Windows. That's Apple's new image format. And many photographers are using maybe iPhones, but using a Windows desktop computer. So that's a useful addition. But the video support isn't there yet. Um, so I would still leave the iPhone's camera set to most compatible for the moment. All right. Yeah, that's good. I, I like seeing HEIC uh, making progress and becoming more standardized. I think it'll be a helpful thing for every, everything mobile is going to really benefit from that. Uh, all right, let's go. We're going to talk to about iOS mobile and Android mobile features. We're going to start with iOS. So let's go over Lightroom CC on iOS and some of the new features. There's four that were mentioned in the blog post. Um, so there are organizational improvements, um, some filter menu improvements, uh, HDR, long exposure photos being smaller, and a new technology preview in depth map support. All right, so let's go through each one of these two, and, and uh, you can tell us about the the new features. Um, finding photos is uh, is something that I wanted to work on. Light, they, I wanted them to work on a Lightroom CC uh, mobile iOS because I found it just a little bit challenging. It's not awful, but I'm glad to see there's new organizational features so that you can do it, making it a little easier to go find photos. Maybe you you. Uh, put them into your catalog from your computer and now you want to go find it on mobile. And I, it was a little bit challenging to kind of do that. So tell me about these new smart folders, shared albums and multi-select mode in organizational improvements. Yeah. So they're working on improving it all the time and they're trying to make the interface fairly consistent across all of the different devices, taking into account the size of the screens and the operating system limitations, of course. So we've had the shared albums view for a while in the web interface so it's really good to see that that's now come to iOS and it'll probably come to the others in due course. Mm -hmm. So rather than having to hunt through all the different album folders, particularly once you've got lots of different albums on there, if you want to find all the albums that you've shared, you can now go to the shared albums view and see them all at a glance and change their sharing settings or send the link to someone else. Um, the smart collections show photos that have been captured on the iPhone or iPad or have been recently added into the iOS app. So that's really useful if you've added some older photos from the camera roll, because otherwise you could end up having to scroll back through yeah. thousands of photos to try and find them again. Right. And the multi-select mode is, is probably my favorite part. It's been changed to match the Android behavior. So it feels much more like the desktop now, where you select the photos and then you decide what to do with them instead of the other way around. So you can add them to albums, you can delete them, you can save them back to the camera roll, you can share them to social media. Hopefully, this means that it's also a basis for them to do uh, copy and paste of edit settings between photos in future. So that would be a really useful improvement. And one of the much requested new features that slipped under the radar is you can now save or share more than 15 photos at a time, which is very important to photographers who are only using the mobile apps and don't have a desktop. They were having to do chunks of 15, which uh, could get boring quickly. Yes, that <laughs> I didn't know that was there. I, I haven't used it enough to have encountered that. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now you can do unlimited, not just 15. 
Uh, I haven't tested. I haven't tested unlimited, but okay. there's definitely a lot. Okay, enough that you're probably going to get uh, all of them out of a, a particular shoot that you're doing. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's that's very good news for iOS. Okay, filter menu improvements. So I, I like to see Adobe getting feature parity between desktop and mobile, so that we can have the same experience on both. And and they're headed towards that probably a little faster than they're heading towards full feature parity with Classic. But um, but we we you have some differences between desktop, iOS, and Android today, and you can tell by the feature updates even how they're different because Android's feature updates are entirely separate <laughs> from uh, from iOS updates. And the desktop, they're all, they're all kind of different. But this is one place where it seems like it's even from Classic, there's some some influence here with new filter caper capabilities. So why don't you tell us about those improvements? Yeah, they're aiming for feature parity eventually, but there are three, four different teams all working at the same time. So they keep leapfrogging each other. They'll, one will add it and then another one will copy and, and so forth. So you can now filter photos by camera, location, keywords, and with, whether you've edited them or not, which um, are definitely an, an improvement. Yeah. And that's something that just came to Classic not too long ago, that, that edited or not. There's a, like even a new badge that was in Classic. Yeah. And, and I, I liked that. That's been very helpful. I've been lost many times looking at that film strip in Classic and saying, which one did I touch? I can't remember which one I was working on. And uh, <laughs> and so having that badge there has really been helpful. So I, I love that we can search now and filter by that on on CC Mobile. That's great on iOS. Um, all right. Smaller HDL, D HDR files. And I've actually heard about this one from users who were doing it. And this killed their use of, of CC for the, the people who've contacted me about this uh, because HDR files, they, they tend to be very, very large when you're combining multiple photos together and producing an HDR image. And sync, those files were just so big that syncing it out over the internet was a problem for them, a really big problem. And they just were like, I can't use this. It doesn't work because HDR files are too big. So what, have, what has Adobe done here? Yes, they, they've improved the compression on the HDR files because they were huge, particularly it was fantastic that you were able to capture these HDR and long exposure files with the Lightroom camera, but they were just so big. Um, so there shouldn't be any visible change, but it should help with the storage and bandwidth concerns. All right. Very good. Okay, now the one that intrigues me the most on iOS, this depth map support. So... Uh, and it's a technology preview. So the blog post says this new tech preview adds in a new mode in the LR camera, letting you capture HEIC photos with depth maps, as well as a new selective tool that leverages depth maps captured with the LR camera or other capture tools. The new depth selection tool lets you quickly turn a depth map into a selection that can be modified with a brush. Then you can use the same editing tools available with other selection tools to modify the photo. All right. So breaking that down, it sounds to me like Adobe is leveraging the capabilities in some of their newer phones like the iPhone X uh, to do 3D mapping and kind of allow you to target adjustments utilizing that data. You, you kind of get a mask that matches the depth mask or yeah, map, depth map. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and what a technology preview mean? I, I wanted. So is that right? And and what is a technology preview? So maybe answer that first about the technology preview. So technology preview just means that this is a feature they're still fine tuning, and they're just making it available for anyone who wants to try it out and offer feedback. So there's no risk involved. If you have a supported phone, enable it in settings and have a play. All right. 
And and so what is this feature? Am I right on the on what the feature brings? Yeah. So it works on the iPhone 7 Plus, 8 Plus or 10. Um, so that's any of the iPhones with dual cameras. And it's something like Apple's portrait mode. Mm. So it allows you to blur or darken the background to mimic a shallow depth of field, even on that really tiny little iPhone sensor. <laughs> right. Okay. So, and we've, I've seen, I've used the portrait mode. I've played around with it a lot and sometimes it does a fantastic job and sometimes not so much. So, so we'll, (laughs) we'll see how this continues to progress, but at least it's there and available in Lightroom now, which is good because previously you really only had the Apple photos app to, to try to do anything with the photo when you did, when you wanted that portrait mode effect. So it's very cool that it's now available in mobile as as a preview. So it might not be fully baked, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. Let's move on to Android mobile features. So there's four here as well. And honestly, so I'm an iOS user, so I have to admit, I've I've actually never used Lightroom CC on Android. So I'm going to need a lot more help here because I I, uh, am not used to this. But the four features they they had in the blog were chromatic aberration and lens corrections. Uh, Number two was support for HEIC. Number three, pause, resume, sync. And number four, best photos tech preview. So Android gets a tech preview as well. So let's let's start with chromatic aberration and lens corrections. Um, on the blog, they say that photographers can now manually select from one or more than 1,200 Adobe-created lens profiles. So does that mean that if you check the box for lens correction, you also have to choose what lens is being used? So we've had the remove chromatic aberrations and enable lens corrections checkbox on iOS for a while, but they weren't available on Android. So they've been added now. But on Android, you can now select a profile manually. So if you're using an older lens that doesn't include the metadata that Lightroom needs to automatically guess the right profile, um, then you can actually select it. So those pop-ups are already available on the desktop. You'll be using them in Classic already, but they're not in iOS yet. They're just newly added to Android. Okay, so neither iOS or Android. If you click that checkbox, it's not going to automatically say... If the metadata is there, will it automatically select the right lens profile? Yes. So if it recognizes the lens because it's fairly recent, it's got the right metadata, then it will automatically select the right profile. But if it's an older lens, it won't have that metadata. So it's waiting for you to select, right, this is the lens and this is the profile for it. You've been able to do that on the desktop for a while. You can now do it on Android, but you can't do it on iOS yet. Okay. All right. So there's a feature. Like you said, they leapfrog each other. I'm sure iOS enabling having that feature is not not far off either. So good. Okay. So that's a helpful thing. I I can see why this is important too. In that use case where you maybe added photos from your computer into a catalog in Lightroom CC, and then you're going to go edit on say an iPad or an Android tablet because you maybe even prefer that kind of a, a format. Um, to to do your editing with a pen, pencil, whatever, whichever device you're using. Um, Now, applying the right lens profile based on the camera you were using is a bigger deal because it's not just your phone you were using to take the photo. You you took the photo using probably your your main camera. So, um, having the right profile there is a big deal. So that's so that will ha- that will be useful also for people who travel with an iPad or a tablet only and don't have their desktop computer with them. Right, right. Okay. HEIC formats. I know this is a huge deal for iOS. That 
they're going there. Apple is going there with everything they're doing. So, so that's a really big deal. I wasn't familiar with Android enough to know if this is a big deal there or why, why they added this feature of supporting ATIC. So this is a big deal for people who use iOS and Android devices. So perhaps they have an iPhone that they use to capture the photos in HEIC format, but then they do their editing on an Android tablet. Um, now they can edit their photos on any of their devices. They can pick and choose. Okay, but it's still your recommendation to leave, not do HEIC for now because of uh, movie formats. Is that right? Yeah, if if you only ever shoot photos, go for it. But for those who still shoot some video on their iPhones, then you probably want to hold off for the minute. Okay. All right, now the more exciting feature, the best photos tech preview. So here's what it says on Adobe's blog. It said, first available on lightroom.adobe.com, best photos combines Adobe Sensei smarts as well as changes and edits that you've made to your photos to make a recommended selection of your photos within an album with the highest potential quickly and easily. So tell me what this is, Victoria. It sounds very intriguing to me. It's, it's a handy feature if you never get around to sorting through your own photos or you're really indecisive about which ones are best. So it uses artificial intelligence to try to automatically select your best shots. So I think most serious photographers will probably like to make that decision <laughs> themselves. But it's still fun to see what they're trying to do with artificial intelligence and, and who knows where it will go in the future. Yeah, well, or even... Making sure you pay attention to those, you know, which, whichever mm-hmm. ones the AI picks out as saying, hey, these look like your best of the group. Uh, making sure you at least look at those is a good idea. But yeah, you're probably right. They're, they're going to want to do the culling themselves. Um, maybe even we'll have done, and maybe that's a, a, a use case that would be beneficial. Already have done the culling, maybe even externally. A lot of people use other tools to do culling and then bring in what they felt were the best photos and then having Sensei tell you, oh, these are the best of those. That, that'd be pretty neat. That'd be pretty fun to yeah. see. Yeah. It does take your existing selects into account. So that's definitely an option. Yeah. All right. So those, that covers the new features. Um, not, not earth-shaking features there by any stretch. Like you said, a little bit smaller release. But uh, I like making sure to go and take a look at it. I like bringing our listeners up. It's been a long time since I've talked about Lightroom CC on the podcast. So I, I kind of wanted to just expose listeners to what's going on with Lightroom CC. What's being changed? How is it working? And, uh, and that there is constant continual improvement. So you mentioned, Victoria two months is that is that a target that the teams have for providing updates for lightroom cc is that also for lightroom classic is that kind of the pace that adobe's trying to to have here it is if you look back over the last year since they released this all in october last year there has been a release every two months on the dot okay so we can look forward to every couple of months having having new features so that that's great and that's what we i think we expect as subscribers now since it's a creative cloud subscription model i think we expect that type of pace in an improvement and uh, the only thing that would be a problem is if a release caused massive problems for people then they're not going to be so happy about that um but at least then they only have two months to wait for a right 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 all right, so that that's good. That uh, I'm I'm kind of glad to hear that. Um, I hadn't seen that really stated anywhere, and I hadn't noticed myself. So that's good. All right, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about is a, a, what I think is going to be a tremendous resource for the listeners, especially if they haven't used CC much, Lightroom CC, a whole lot. Then 
uh, this is going to be a really, really great resource that, that people should check out. So, Victoria, there's a segment of my listeners who are just getting started into photography. I, I hope a lot of beginners are finding Photo Taco uh, because I, I aim a lot of content at the beginner, at the hobbyist, and uh, and trying to help them to understand what usually is like a, an overly complicated sort of <laughs> discussion. And they find a barrier right there at the beginning with the editing tools. They find them very complicated to use. They don't understand what all this stuff means. They're just trying to learn how to use their camera. And um, when they, they stumble across with RAW and then they want to figure out what do you do with RAW and, and they're pushed towards RAW and pushed towards post-processing really fast by all of the training that's out there. But they find it complicated. The tool's complicated and they find them slow often. And uh, because usually they don't have uh, really good computers to run, run the tools. So you have a new book out that I have read and I can highly recommend it for photographers wanting to learn all the ins and outs of Lightroom CC. And I especially like the start of the book where you talk about your own journey in photography. And I, th- because I think a lot of us can relate to it. So why don't you take a, a few minutes here, tell the listeners about your book. Thanks, Jeff. So just to summarize my story, my dad's been a professional wedding and portrait photographer my entire life. And so I grew up in the business. About the year 2000, he decided he wanted to start moving from medium format film to digital. So I started dabbling in scanning negatives and inkjet printing. I mean, it was incredibly frustrating because I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And there wasn't much information available in those days. It was the very early days of the internet and and an email list was as good as it got. <laughs> so obviously I figured it out in the end and I went on to edit photos for other high-end professional photographers and then got into to writing Lightroom books. But these days there's there's loads of information available, but everyone, all these photographers want to show you their way of editing specific photos shot in perfect light with models and so forth. <laughs> right. or, or they want to send you presets that are only ever a perfect fit on the demo images. But no one actually teaches the principles that can be applied to lots of different photographs and lots of different editing styles. So there's a huge gap there. Um, and if you talk to many professional photographers, they'll tell you they just know what to adjust. They've done it for so long it comes really naturally, like driving a car. You don't exactly know quite how you did it, you just did. So, and that's no help when you're trying to learn to edit your photos in the first place. So... I've worked backwards to narrow it down to a series of questions that newer photographers can ask themselves to get to the end result they want on any on any photograph. And that's not even just new photographers. All of us can look at things in a slightly different way and uh, make progress. Um, so there's very little Lightroom CC information out there. Uh, most of the people who are using Lightroom instead of something free like Apple Photos, it's because they want the advanced editing tools. So combining the two into a single book was the obvious choice. All right. And I I love the approach with the new book. And I think you're right on there. Most training is approached with the workflow and the editing technique of a particular photographer. And it's what they developed over time. So they went through a learning process at some point. Maybe they were influenced by other people training them. Maybe they were self-taught. And they've created a workflow. And now that's what they're going to present because that's what they know. And like you said... 
being a photographer doesn't mean you're a great trainer or a great teacher. And so some of them struggle when it doesn't fit exactly into their process. If you're not using the same camera, the same lighting, the same shooting techniques, and then go to edit the photos the same way, they're lost. And so, yeah, if you put your photo in front of them, say, hey, I'd like to see how you edit this photo. Then I, they, they may struggle like, well, I don't know. This just, this isn't working well. And uh, And I love how your approach in the book is more universal than that, more generic, something that really explains the why behind things and helps people to, to I think, decide what their own workflow is going to be, but have the information they need to understand all the sliders, all the ways to adjust, make adjustments to the photos. It's, it's really great. Um, and then it, I, it gets really frustrating to photographers when that happens, when they, when they have a photo, like I've seen this happen at, uh, at conferences or workshops where there'll be somebody who's uh, a, a trainer there who's willing to go through a photo with you. And, and they may, might in Lightroom be trying to make some adjustments and, and it's just not going well. And I've, I've seen that happen a lot. So I, I, I love the book. I, the, way, the way it presents the features and functions in Lightroom CC in a way that truly helps photographers learn why each of the features and functions are there. So listeners, if you want to learn Lightroom CC, you need to check out Victoria's book. Uh, the new one is called Adobe Lightroom CC Edit Like a Pro. You can buy an electronic copy for $24.95 and download it in any of several formats that best meet your needs of how you're going to read the book. And uh, and it's great. It works super, super well. And and I'm, I'm really excited about the book. It's, it's a fantastic resource. Thank you, Jeff. I should have the final paper book uh, paperback proof in my hands on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, hopefully. So then the paperback paper, paperbacks. I can't talk today. <laughs> the paperbacks will start shipping too for people who like proper books. Okay. Yep. So if you want the the dead tree version, <laughs> then go go get that in, in uh, soon. Actually, by the time I think this this episode's released, it'll probably be out, Victoria. All oh, right. Wonderful. Victoria, you also have a tremendous resource I have told listeners about over and over and over. We, we refer to it in our Facebook group all the time, Lightroom Queen Resources. Uh, so that's over at lightroomqueen.com. You publish articles about everything Lightroom. So not just CC, it's classic too. Lots of coverage of classic. Where else can listeners find out more about you and see your work? Yeah, the Lightroom Queen website's the best bet. You'll often find me hanging out in the community forum there as well. Um, but you'll also find me on Facebook and Twitter as Lightroom Queen. Yeah, I, in fact, Victoria has been over in our Facebook group uh, several times. So and I, I know the listeners love it when she jumps in and, and points out a, a good resource where it talks about like something we misunderstand. Sometimes there's features like, you know, all of us are trying to understand what's actually going on and, and she sets us straight. So that's good. <laughs> All right. That's all the time we have in this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. You can find everything Photo Taco related at the new home for the podcast over at phototacopodcast.com. Searchable show notes there, a link to Photo Taco listeners Facebook group. If you want to join that, we do have to ask a question of anybody who wants to join. You have to ask to join and you have to provide the name of the host. So Jeff will work and Victoria will work. That'll be great. I'll take either one of those. Just want to keep the spammers and the uh, bots out of the group. We want only listeners to be in that group. So uh, I'd love to connect with you through Instagram. The show account is at Phototaco Podcast, Twitter at Phototaco, and you can drop an email uh, suggesting topics for the show if you like, or just giving feedback at phototacopodcast at gmail.com. Remember, there's no question too basic or too complicated for the show. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to bring on an expert like Victoria 
to talk through Lightroom CC with us. Photo Taco was part of the Master Photography Podcast Network, and you can find everything about the network at masterphotographypodcast.com because together we want to make you all master your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!